Well, if you've got a Bible, as Gavin said, we're going to be in the book of Exodus this morning. So um, if you've got a Bible, you can find Exodus chapter 1. That's where we're going to be. Just to say that uh, Raj is away today, uh, traveling down with a few others, I think, from Jubilee, down in Stafford, uh, serving one of our Christ Central churches in Stafford. Um, and uh, hopefully, you know, pray for him, pray for his time there. We, hopefully he'll come and tell us what he's been up to there. Stafford's this amazing church where they're planting into parts of Germany, parts of eastern Germany, which is really, you know, part of the least evangelized part of Europe, they say. Um, and so we're really with them as they plant into, into eastern Germany. Um, and so do pray for Raj as he's there today. Okay, but as here, for the next few months, we're going to be in Exodus. Exodus is the second book of the Bible, so it won't be too hard for you to find every Sunday morning. It tracks events that happened some three and a half thousand years ago, um, 1,500 years before Jesus. Exodus. Exodus just means leaving or moving away. That's what basically it means. And that's what the first half of the book focuses on, particularly that the, the leaving or moving away as, God's people, as God brings his people out as they leave Egyptian slavery in the, in the land of Egypt, as he brings them out. Maybe you've seen, uh, perhaps you've seen films around Exodus. Maybe you've seen The Prince of Egypt. Has anyone seen The Prince of Egypt, the animated uh, d- uh, film? The Prince of Egypt. Maybe, you, maybe, maybe you're old enough to remember Charlton Heston in The Ten Commandments, that, that 50s classic or, or perhaps you've seen the more uh, kind of uh, recent adaptation by Ridley Scott, Gods and Kings, that was out a few years ago with uh, Christian Bale. Um, Ridley Scott, who incidentally was from Stockton, went to school in Stockton and college in Hartlepool. Um, it doesn't make the film any better. <laughs> but, um, you know, maybe you want to watch one of those this week. But what I'd really encourage you to do is to read the book of Exodus over the next few weeks. Read or listen to the book of Exodus over the next few weeks, um, we'll, we'll send out there's some great, if you've come across the Bible Project, there's some great videos on Exodus. We'll send them out in the weekly news as well so you can watch them and you can find them on YouTube. Give a great overview of the book. So why are we studying Exodus? Why have we decided to get into the book of Exodus? Well, as one writer puts it, the whole of Scripture, the whole of the Bible is Exodus-shaped. It's Exodus-shaped. In other words, it's, it's themes run through the whole of the Bible. And, and there's, there's echoes of this Exodus account right through Scripture. And because of that, it helps us. As we understand Exodus, it helps us to understand the whole big picture of the Bible. How everything holds together. What God is doing. But secondly, it helps us to understand how God relates to his people. And not just then, but today as well, how God relates to us now too. So this is what the Apostle Paul wrote in um, 1 Corinthians 10, 11. He writes to the Corinthians and he says, he says, these, he talks about the Exodus and events of the Exodus and he says that these were written as instructions and warnings for you. That's what he says. He says that they're, they're, they happened for you. They're, there, they're recorded for you as instructions and warnings. He says that they were over here, you know, thousands, many thousands of years ago. You're here. But he says, but, you know, we could still make the same mistakes. 
We can still do um, the same things. Um, and we still need to learn that God is God. He is faithful and he can be trusted. And we've kind of subtitled this series, Presence, Promise and Power. We've highlighted those, there's many themes in Exodus. We've particularly highlighted those three themes in the book. Three themes that we need to know today, particularly as God leads us into all that he has for us here, the journey that he has us on. As Gavin was saying, we, we, we're praying for this building. We hope very soon to be able to reach agreement with the Methodists to, to purchase this building. Yeah, there's some things we've got to pray about. We're going to pray about them tonight. There's a few, th- few challenges few mountains, as Sarah was singing, but hey, God loves to move mountains, doesn't he? It's all done. Well, it is. Let's come and, let's come and pray that in this evening. That's not an excuse not to come tonight. <laughs> yes. Um, there's things like multi-site and multiple communities. You know, we believe God wants us to plant and start Jubilee communities across Teesside. There's this vision of bringing the joy news of Jesus to everyone everywhere. You know, these are not small things. These are big things. And you know what? In those, we need to know that God is faithful and he's trustworthy and he's leading us. And he has the victory. Amen. These are promised land things that he's bringing us into. Okay, so we're going to read Exodus chapter 1 this morning. Um, It's really on 1 and 2, but we're just going to read chapter 1 this morning together. So let's read it together. The words will be on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. These are the names of the sons of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob, each with his family. Reuben, Simeon, Levi and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun and Benjamin, Dan and Naphtali, Gad and Asher, The descendants of Jacob numbered 70 in all. Joseph was already in Egypt. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were fruitful and multiplied greatly and became exceedingly numerous so that the land was filled with them. Then a new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become much too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. If war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built Pithom and Ramesses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with hard labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their hard labor, the Egyptians used them ruthlessly. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shifra and Pua, When you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stool, if it is a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. Oh, they're vigorous and they give birth much before the midwives arrive. 
So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. The Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. So we're looking at three things this morning about this Exodus account that we can particularly learn from these first two chapters. The first is this. It's this. Exodus is about God. Exodus is about God. And particularly, Exodus is about God and how he relates to you and I, how he relates to humans. And the passage that I've just read out actually when you read it in the Hebrew, it begins oddly because it begins with the word and. See, in ours it probably begins with these or yours might have began now. But actually the the, the Hebrew version begins and. It says and these are the names. It's, It's kind of saying, look, Exodus is an extension of Genesis. It's simply carrying on the account of God's people in Genesis. What is that? What is that account in Genesis? What is, what is the, the account of God's people up to now? Well, Genesis tells us, doesn't it, that God has created all people, that God was creating. God is the creator. Well, people have rejected him. People have turned from him. Sin has entered, evil has entered God's perfect world. But God has promised that he will make a people for himself. And he, he, says, he says to Abraham, I'll make a people out of this one man, Abraham, a people that will be a light to the world, a light to show the love of God to the world. And then through Abraham's descendants, through Isaac and through Jacob, and Jacob's family, and one of them is called Joseph. Joseph ends up in Egypt. And the whole family eventually end up in Egypt because of a famine. But they manage to settle there and then they manage to grow. And that is where Exodus picks up. And so we read verses like this, verse 6 that we read this morning, says the, ec- the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Sounds very familiar language to us. You know, when you, when you, you hear what God said to Adam and Eve, he said, be fruitful, multiply Fill the earth. That's God's command to Adam and Eve. And then it's what God promised to Abraham. It's what God promised to Noah, actually, as well. It's what God promised to to Jacob. He said, I'll make you a great people. And and commentators say that bit in Exodus there, that they're, they're, they're being fruitful and multiplying and filling the land is a direct link back to God's promises in Genesis. Why, why are they increasing in number in Exodus? Because God's faithful. And because God is faithful to his promises. He can be trusted. See, their, their fruitfulness, though, led them into slavery. Pharaoh feared them and made slaves of them. And they were going through dark times. They needed to know that God was faithful. Even, even if they looked around at their circumstances and it didn't look like that. See, there are, there are dark 
times that we can face. There are troubles that we can face. We need to know that God is faithful, don't we? We need to know that he is to be trusted, even if our circumstances look like it. We need to know that when life is not going well, that does not therefore mean that God is not faithful and God is not true to his promises. That's a lie. That's a lie the enemy wants us to believe. He loves you and is for you. If you know the Exodus account, um, you know uh, Moses then is born and Moses um, thinks he can sort things and Moses is out one day and sees an Egyptian beating an Israelite and he takes it on himself to kill the Egyptian and bury his body in the sand. And things seem to go bad to worse and Moses needs to know, no, God is faithful. It's not in my strength that I can do things. It's in his and his promises. He has to flee and he has to learn that God is God. It's in his timing. We need to know the same. Secondly, God, uh, Exodus is about the problem of evil. Particularly about God's opposition to evil. So the Pharaoh, this, this Pharaoh, this figure, this evil man, this evil figure in Exodus has made slaves out of the Israelites and he plans to kill the firstborn male, the firstborn male children. He, this is, he is clearly a wicked, wicked man. But who do we see, who do we see outsmarting Pharaoh in this account? Who, who do we see? <coughs> Women, yes. <laughs> Women. We do. It, it's... It's the midwives. Midwives are the people, if you don't know that English word, that's the people who help women give birth to children. They're the midwives. They're there at the, the point of birth. It's them. It's Moses' mother, actually. It's Moses' sister. In a, in a strange way, it's actually Pharaoh's daughter is even involved. See, some people will tell you that the Bible is anti-women. Some people will say, you know, the Bible is, you know, it's, 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 not, it's not about, actually, it's anti-women. It's not. It's not. It's just not true. Look, here are some faithful, courageous women who are willing to take on evil, who are willing to believe God and follow him. You know, that's a, and that is, we haven't got time to go into that now, actually, but that is a pattern as we go through Scripture. You know, you might think of characters people in the bible of who that is true you know and then we get to jesus and we see mary and all that 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 reflects back into the exodus story anyway we haven't got time i'd love to but we haven't got time but there are women but they're also you know given other than pharaoh's wife they're also normal people they're just normal people who are standing up to evil and do you know what we've seen that and we see that down the ages of history Normal people standing up to evil. Think of another type of slavery we've seen in our history. Think of something like the Atlantic and the sub-Saharan slave trade that we see. 400 year, over 400 years, it's estimated that millions of Africans were, probably 20 to 30 million, were shipped 
like goods from their home, torn from families, taken against their will, taken to places like the Americas, taken to places like um, the largely Arab world the other way. Truly an evil thing. And do you know what? What's really interesting, but not kind of interesting in a depressing way, I guess, but American slave owners um, said that missionaries, uh, European missionaries could only come and, and, and seek to convert slaves um, if they came with edited versions of the Bible. If they, they had kind of particular verses, particular books cut out, then they could come. Okay, not the full word of God, but actually with an edited version. See, they didn't want, they didn't want slaves to get the idea of uh, equality, of liberation, of freedom, of justice, of which the Bible clearly talks about. And what, what book do you think might have been removed? What might have been one of the books that was removed from these edited versions? Exodus. Exodus. Exodus was one of those books. In an odd way, in an odd way, slave owners knew the power of God's word because they knew they couldn't have the book of Exodus in the hands of slaves. And perhaps you've heard of famous Christians that were involved in the abolition of slavery, people like William Wilberforce, famous Christian MP, campaigning for years against the evil of slavery. But then maybe not so much about normal Christians. Normal Christians who stood up to the evil of slavery. Normal Christians like Otabar Kuagno. He was a, a Scarnaian slave in the Caribbean, in Grenada. And uh, he, he managed to get to England. Someone took him to England. He managed to gain his freedom in England. And he became a Christian. His Christian faith led him to write uh, and campaign a lot. And he wrote a book. It's not the catchiest of titles, but he wrote a book called this, Thoughts and Sentiments on the Evil and Wicked Traffic of the Slavery and Commerce of the Human Species. And on its front cover, there was a quote from the Bible. Uh, and what book of the Bible do you think that quote was from? Exodus. The book that they were not allowed to read. He was not allowed to have. He quotes on the front cover of his book, campaigning against the evil of slavery. An ordinary man, an ordinary person, transformed by encountering the love of God in Jesus. Transformed by this book, Exodus. See, we see it in today. We see the courage and faith of ordinary believers in the midst of Ukraine in the midst of Iran, in the midst of Eritrea, ordinary believers believing God and standing up to evil. You know, we need courage and faith in the midst of our society too. We're not blind to the injustices of our society here too. I want to honour those of you involved in things like the Hope Foundation, the things like Open Door, as we seek to address those injustices, injustices of the asylum system, injustices of poverty, and deprivation in our country. But as we'll see, Exodus points to the fact that 
evil is not simply out there. It's not external to us. It's not just there. It's a heart problem. It's a heart problem. It's, it's what Jesus said, isn't it? Jesus said to the, the religious people of his day, you seem to be bothered about the wrong things. You, you seem to be bothered about you know, becoming unclean by the things you eat or becoming unclean by those people over there. And he says, well, actually, the problem is from the heart. It's your heart. From the heart comes evil, he says, and out of you. It's not, well, I did bad things today, therefore I'm bad. Well, I did good things today, therefore I'm good. He says, no, the, heart, the problem is much deeper than that, Jesus says. We all, by nature, have hearts that oppose God. So Exodus points to this fact that we need rescue. We need rescue from the sin that is in us, from the evil that is within us. And Exodus introduces us to this, this need we have for redemption. Redemption just means basically being rescued from evil, being rescued from captivity through the payment of a price. That's what redemption is. Sounds complicated, but you know, we often use that word in our culture redemption. We might say, think of perhaps a famous person who does something or says something and it's bad and they get called out for it and uh, the, you know, the media goes to town on them because of something bad that they have done. They experience the judgment of our society, of the media. But then what they do is they do something good in order to make up for it. Normally it's a piece of charity work or something like that. And they make sure that the papers see them and uh, it says, you know, they've we say, oh, they've redeemed themselves by doing this. They've made up for the stuff they did or said bad. They've redeemed themselves by doing this. And that's fine, but the difference between that kind of redemption and the redemption we need is that really our... our our judgment is not before the media, it's not before public opinion, it's before a holy God. And secondly, we can't rescue ourselves, we can't redeem ourselves. We might try, we might try by living a good life, we might try by church attendance or church service or giving or these types of things. These are not necessarily bad things, but in terms of rescuing us from sin... They're about as effective as Moses killing an Egyptian and trying to bury their body. They won't do it. However, there is hope. There is hope for us, and that's what Exodus points us to, the hope that we have, because Exodus is really about the good news of the gospel. It is. It ultimately leads us to Jesus and all that he came to do. Listen, this is the most... This is one of the most encouraging verses of these two chapters that we're focusing on today. This is from chapter 2, 23 to 25. We didn't read this out, but it says this. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help, because of their slavery, went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. 
God heard. God remembered. God looked. God was concerned. God was going to redeem his people. God was going to bring them out. So if we go 1,500 years, okay, to Jesus, and we notice this when uh, in Luke 9, it says that Jesus, it records some events of Jesus. He goes up a mountain with some friends, with some of his disciples. They go up a mountain to pray. And there's this moment where it's called the transfiguration. Jesus' face changes. His, his body, his, his clothes are glowing and bright as the sun. And there's this moment of, of, of glory on the mountain. And it says that Moses and Elijah appear with Jesus and he's talking with them. And the disciples are just like, hey, let's just stay here. This is amazing. We want to stay here. Jesus isn't talking about staying. It says Jesus is talking to Moses and Elijah. It says it, and he's talking to them about his departure. But it, the word he uses for departure isn't a, word that, a more common word that he could have used. He actually uses the word exodus. Jesus is talking about his exodus. So Jesus is saying, my death, my burial, my resurrection from the grave, that's going to be the true exodus that you need. It's as if the exodus 1,500 years earlier was just like a forerunner. It was just like a pointer to what Jesus was going to do, the main event. So as we're going to see as we go through exodus, the Israelites were rescued from their slavery, which involved sacrifice of a lamb, the blood on the doorpost, if you know the story. We are rescued from evil, from sin. And it's through the sacrifice of Jesus, our perfect lamb, and through his blood. They're going to go down through the Red Sea and out into freedom. And we go down into water in baptism, don't we? And out. If you get baptized next week, don't worry, you come out. And we're out. You better do. They'll have a Passover meal to remember their rescue. We have bread and wine as we remember all Jesus has done for us. In the desert, they're going to eat bread from heaven and they're going to have water from a rock. And we know that Jesus is our bread, isn't he, from heaven? He's the living bread and he's our living water. And do you see? See, Jesus is the exodus that we all need. He's the exodus we all need. And finally, they're going to understand that it's more than just being redeemed, rescued. Actually, that's just the start. They're going to learn to walk with God, be his people. God's bringing them out of exodus because he wants a people for himself. Jesus has brought us out of uh, the slavery of sin, of evil, into his family because he wants us, because he wants you, because he loved you. I love what Jill prayed this morning. And prophesied, I saw you and I loved you. He wants to be present in your life. See, the gospel isn't sort yourself out, make yourself acceptable, make yourself lovable, and then I'll be present in your life. The gospel is this, because of Jesus, you are made acceptable. You are made lovable. And now I'm going to be present in your life and hey, we're going to learn to walk together and walk out this new life in Jesus. It's wonderful good news. And so as we walk through Exodus, we're going to see what it means for us 
today, as we walk out new life in him, as we learn to walk together, as we learn to love him more because he has loved us with an everlasting love, as we learn to love one another and be community together, as we learn to walk in the promises he has for us in this place. Listen, perhaps you wouldn't call yourself a Christian this morning. You need to know that. You can't make yourself acceptable to God through good things. You won't be able to do it. But through his blood, through the blood of Jesus, you can come and know what it means to be right before God. You can receive forgiveness and the presence of God in your life. You can know what it means to know that God is present with you in your life. If the band could come up, I think it would be good to finish in worship. If the band could come up, if that's okay. I just want us to pray. Finish, let's just finish in prayer and worship. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that we can know that you are God. It is all about you. And you have drawn us out of our old life, out of sin, out of, um, out of our old lives into new. So that we might worship you and know you. And thank you that you have had victory over evil. You are victorious. And thank you that we can know that in your victory, you redeem and rescue us. And we know the love of Jesus. We know what it means to be called by you, made yours, made acceptable and loved through his blood. It's wonderful. It's wonderful good news. Thank you. And so we ask, would you help us, to l- help us as we walk in that truth? And in your presence, Holy Spirit, thank you you're with us. Thank you you've come to us. And thank you that we know your closeness through the Spirit. Spirit of God, just come and rest on us afresh today. As we walk into all that you have for us. As perhaps we face the challenges that we have in life. The opportunities before us. Spirit of God, you're with us. Thank you. Thank you. Come and dwell in us. Amen. Amen. We're going to finish by worshipping together.